Well, hello everybody, once again, to Rick's Mix Podcast. First, obviously, let me do the requisite apologies for uh, not not uh, uh, making a podcast uh, earlier. I know it's been a while, several weeks, in fact. Uh, no excuse. Um, I did have a special one that's been planned. I've been planning for a long, long time. There's a guy at work who's a very interesting guy named Chewy. One of the most interesting people you'll ever meet, and he's got a very, very interesting story, and I've been trying to get him on the podcast for everybody keeps ducking me. Uh, he was supposed to come up last last two weekends and do it, but one weekend he got some bad news or something, and last weekend he had to work, and blah, blah, blah. Long story short, uh, there hasn't been a podcast in a long time. But um, this, we are going to do another Rick's Rant, and I'm going to call this the uh, Rick's Rant PCS version. Uh, those of you who aren't familiar with military terms, PCS is basically a military word for when you move from one duty station to the next. It stands for permanent change of station. Um, yeah, it's never an easy thing. And especially, you know, you know me with the Murphy's law or Thibodeau's law, whatever you want to call it, things never are easy. Things, everything can go wrong and everything that will go wrong does. And I always have issues and things that should be so mundane and easy, always have a problem. Uh, doesn't matter what duty station I'm at is I'm going to run into problems. And, and a lot of people do, and it's, it's frustrating. You know, I've been to so many PCSs now all over the world that you just kind of like, you're like, okay, I know this is going to suck, but I'm just going to kind of bend over and just take it, whatever. Um, so it's been it's it's been not very smooth sailing, let's just say that, since I started clearing uh, the past week and a half, two weeks or whatever, since I got my orders. Uh, and so I decided I, I want to kind of rant about some of this stuff. So I got several issues that are pretty unbelievable and pretty amazing stories that some of you won't believe. Um, so uh, we're going to start actually with... An update to the car mess. Now, if you remember, my last Rick's Rant podcast was about trying to get my car uh, re-inspected and then re-registered. And, oh, what a saga it was. Well, I'm here to tell you that the saga has continued. Uh, and now I am going to tell you what's... I'm going to bring everybody up to speed on this. This is just some crazy stuff. And it's one of those would only happen to me kind of things. So, when we last left our hero, that being me... Um, my, I, I had an appointment uh, the next day to go get my brand new tires and also the, on the on the Friday and then Monday to drop my car off to get everything fixed. And it was they said it was going to cost a little over a thousand euros. So I'm like, okay, good. I'm I'm golden. I get my brand new tires. It cost me after the VAT form 540 euros for four new hand cooked tires. So I'm very happy about that. Um, I dropped my car off on Monday. Uh, I got the rental car because they said I'm going to have to leave it all week because it needed so much work. No problem. Uh, they gave me a nice Volvo XC60 for a rental car, which is a gorgeous car. Um, and then uh, I dropped it off, got the rental car, and I was very, very happy. You know, very happy. Uh, and then I went and did my taxes the next night and found out that I was to get a pretty sizable uh, refund. So I was very happy about that. And I started think I, I made the mistake of letting myself think, man, maybe... Maybe my luck's turning around here. Maybe things are changing here. Things are starting to look up. Things are working out for me. Well, I should have known better. Sure enough, the very next day, I'm at work. I think it was a, hmm. See, I dropped it off on Monday. So it would have been Tuesday. They call me. The, the garage, the dealer calls, Volvo dealer calls me. And I'm like, yeah, hello. And they're like, yeah, you're Volvo. I said, yeah. But one of the things that had to be fixed was, the biggest thing was the oil leak, right? So the guy says, yeah, the oil leak is much, much far more worse than uh, than we thought uh, it was it was to be. So 
It's going to cost at least over 5,000 euros to fix this. Yeah, we have much, much, very many work to do to it. Uh, seriously, I sat there on the phone like, you have to be kidding me. Oh, so everything together, all of the maintenance was supposed to, they told me, initially told me it was going to be a little over 1,000 euros. Suddenly, just to fix everything, it's going to be now well over 5,000 euros, they said. Here we go again. So... I'm like, okay, well, what do I? The first thing I did, I said, okay, don't, don't do anything to it. I'm gonna pick the car up tomorrow. So now I got a decision to make, right? So I can easily pay the five thousand or six thousand, year, however it's gonna be. I could easily pay it because my tax refund that I'm gonna get would cover the whole thing easily. But you know, I'm PCS pretty soon, and I was kind of hoping I would, you know, that was that money is when you PCS, you you need to have a lot of money on hand. It's just not like any other time you move, you know, because you got to pay. You're going to rent the place. you got to put a down payment. you got first month, last month security, all that stuff. Plus, there's all kinds of other little, you know, picadillos that come up. Like, my car is being shipped, so i got to pay for a rental for probably about a month or two. So, there's a couple thousand out right there at least. Uh, so, that tax refund was going to be like a godsend for me. But now, I'm like, oh, Jesus, now. So, here were my two choices as I saw it. I pay the money to get the car. Now, let me tell you something. My Volvo XC90 is a 2010. I've had it 13 years. I love the car. I've never had any major problems with it except getting the brakes replaced twice. Other than that, I love it. <clears throat> never had any problems with it. And it only has, even though it's 13 years old, it only has 100,000 miles on it. So, And it got paid off like seven years ago, something like that, right? So I'm thinking, man, I don't. I, don't, I love not having a car payment. And I'm thinking 100,000 miles, geez, I can probably get at least another 50,000 miles out of this car. That was my plan, was to drive it until basically, you know, shits the bed and then, you know, looking to buying a new one. So um, so my, my two choices were I could pay to get the car fixed and then, you know, I'd have to sink well over 5,000 euros into it, which is, you know, five $6,000 whatever. Pay to get it fixed, and then I could, you know, at least the good thing is I could be able to drive it until, you know, when we get to Colorado, I wouldn't have a car payment because that's the other thing. That My second choice would be to just basically drive it for the last two months here on a temporary plate and then just get rid of it. Does they have a thing here you pay like 35 bucks and you can junk, you know, uh, shit, shit, shit can your car in like a junkyard or something. And then when I PCS to the States, then, you know, buy a new one. Uh, there. Well, I did actually a third option too. A third option here is overseas. We have what's called military car sales, uh, or military auto sales, and you can get uh, you can buy brand new cars uh, tax free. So that was another option too, to do that. So just keeping my options open, but I said, well, I'm, I I mean, I wasn't sure what to do. But a guy at work, I was telling him about it, and he says, oh, you know, I have a garage that I take my my cars, I take my car to in uh, Bierstadt, which is a town right next door. And he says, yeah, I go to this garage. He's like, you know, they do good work and they usually do it cheap. It might be worth it. I'd at least check them out. I'm like, okay, man, I'll do that. So I, I kind of held on to the car for a few days trying to think of what to do. I actually kind of half-heartedly went down to the military auto sales and looked at a, um, actually looked at a, a Volkswagen Tiguan, which I kind of like. It's a smaller SUV than an XC90, but it's, you know, it's pretty nice. It's not a bad, not a bad little car. I see them all over the place. that They're popular. Uh, and I thought, well, you know, but even if I buy it tax-free over here, when I send it to the States, I'm going to have to pay taxes when they import it to whatever state, well, to Colorado. So I'm like, it's, you know, the tax-free is not really a great deal over here because it's really not tax-free. 
So I kind of thought about it. I'm trying to think of what am I going to do. I weighed the options. I talked to a bunch of people. I said, all right, well, let me do this. Let me bring it down to to Fred's buddies or Fred's garage he always goes to and then, and see what kind of, uh, um, you know, uh, offer they, they say or quote they give me. So I take it there. Guy speaks English really good. He's from Mozambique. Really nice guy. Uh I show him the form, everything that's got to be done, blah, blah, blah. He's like, okay, drop it off here. We're going to keep it tonight. We're going to keep it. So, okay, so I drop it off. Uh, the, the plan was I drop it off in the morning. They were going to put it up on the thing, look at everything that had to be done, and then get me a quote. And then I pick it up, you know, like in the afternoon. So, okay, so I hadn't heard from him getting late in the afternoon. And it's like 3.45, and I'm like, you know, geez, these guys got to close at 5, man. I got to, what the heck? So at 3.45, I call them and say, you know, hey, I haven't heard from you. What's going on? He's like, oh, yeah, we didn't get a chance to put it up on today, but we're going to do it tomorrow. Uh, you know, I said, well, wait a minute. What, what, what time do you guys, I mean, what time do you close? They close at 4, apparently. So now I can't, now I'm stuck without a car. I'm stuck without a freaking car for the night now because they closed at 4. They never got my car done. And they never bothered to tell me. I'm like, well, when were you going to call me? He's like, oh, I'm so sorry, sir. I'm so sorry. I'm like, God, here we go again. So somebody gave me a ride to my house. And then the next morning, I got a ride into work with a guy that, uh, with Chewy, actually, who lives right near me. Um, he checks it out the next day. I go down for the for the quote. And it's actually not bad. The quote, for everything all together, he quotes me 3,900 euros, which is about forty-one, forty-two hundred dollars so I thought, okay, well, I mean, it's still expensive as hell, but it's less than the five grand, right? So, or 5,000 euros that the, the dealer was going to charge, of course, because they're a dealer. Um, so I said, okay, you know what? Let's friggin' do it. Because I don't want to have a car payment when I get to Colorado. I don't want to buy a new car and get a car payment of like $600, a month, $6,700 a month, because I'm still going to have rent and everything else, and I'm going to have to pay state taxes in Colorado which I don't have to pay now because I claim New Hampshire, we don't have state taxes, and that's state taxes, man. That's some freaking devilry right there. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so I thought, okay, well, let's do that. Let me sink, you know, the four grand into it now, and then I'll PCS with it, and then guess what? I can drive, I can get another 50,000 miles out of it. So I said, okay, go ahead and do the work. So he's like, okay, well, you gotta, you know, you're going to have to leave the car because it's, it's a lot of work. I said, yeah, no problem. So I got a rental car, dropped off the car. Okay, so now, if you remember in a past podcast, I was talking about the VAT form. That stands for Value Added Tax. So the VAT in Europe, and here in Germany, I think it's like it's like 20%, the VAT, right? So you pay 20% on everything. But you get the VAT form, you don't have to pay the VAT. So it's like getting 20% off your bill. Um, so the normal VAT forms go up to, for purchases, up to 2,500 euros, or actually 2,499. And then for anything 2,500 euros or more, you have to get a special VAT form that's for, you know, high dollar VAT items, stuff like that. So about well, like one or two days before my car was about to be picked up, um, it had been in the shop for like four or five days at that time. Um, I go to the VAT form office to get the VAT form, right? I go in there, I, I, I tell the guys, yeah, I need to get the VAT form like, for $2,500 euros or more. He's like, okay, no problem. He's like, you know, what is, what is it for? I said, uh, my car's in the shop being fixed, and it's going to be, you know, quite, he's like, okay, did you get a cost estimate? I said, I did, yeah. He's like, well, I, I need to see it. I said, well, I don't have it. He's like, where is it? I said, it's in my car. Where's your car? It's in the shop. I just told you, it's in the shop being fixed. Have they already started working on your car? I said, yeah, they've been, they've been working on it since last week. He goes, oh, well, you can't use the VAT form then. I'm like, what? He says, yeah, once they start, start working on your car, you can't use the VAT form. 
I said, what are you, are you, are you serious? He's like, yeah, you're supposed to get the cost estimate, bring the cost estimate here. I check off on it and approve it. And then I give you the VAT form and then you go tell them to start the work. What an idiotic, idiotic, stupid effing policy. It would, it was going to cost me a thousand dollars easy because it ended up being the total cost ended up being like 42, it was like 41, 4,200 euros. So that 20%, that's like eight, what, 800 euros, right? And that's like over a thousand dollars. So this idiotic policy was going to cost me a thousand. Wait, what? You don't, with the normal VAT form, is it doesn't work like that. You just go get a VAT form and you don't even have to tell them what you're using it for. You just say, I need a VAT form. And like, okay, here you go. You pay the $10 or whatever it is. You give you the VAT form and then you do it. So it, this is so typical of this stupid freaking garrison with their idiotic policies that make no sense. So I called a, I called Alidia, the guy back at the shop, and this actually worked in my favor. So I called him, and I said, yeah, you know, he's like, oh, your car's going to be ready tomorrow. I said, okay, good. I said, yeah, listen, you're going to have to charge me the full taxes on it because the freaking idiots here never, I, I had no idea that you had to get the cost estimate and bring it down first. He's like, so they won't let me use the VAT form. He's like, oh, no, don't worry. Don't worry, my friend. He's like, we're going to, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to hook you up. He's like, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to do something. I'm like, what? He's like. So you, he's like, you got a VAT form already, right? I said, no, I just told you. You wouldn't give it to me because you guys have already started. You've been working on the car. He says, no, 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 but you got the regular VAT form. I said, yeah, I have two of them. He says, yeah, well, here's what I'm going to. So here's what he did. This freaking guy is so smart. He actually split the bill into two. So like one bill was like 2,300 euros and some change. And then the other one was like 1,700 euros and some changes. So both were under 2,500. So I put half of it on or one on one VAT form, the other on the other VAT form. And I turned one in yesterday, and I'm going to turn the other in probably right before I leave. So that way, they hopefully they won't they won't get hip to my jive, and they won't realize what I tried to do. Because if they do, if that guy sees it, because he's a real asshole, the guy that works at the at the uh, the VAT form office, he's not the friendliest guy in the world. Um, he's probably going to give me a hard time. So so yeah, in the end, I didn't have to pay the VAT, and it worked out well. But man, what an idiotic, stupid policy! And it's again, it's one of those things. It's like everything I try to do with this place, you just Everything just turns to shit. It's incredible. Like, I'm supposed to know that I'm supposed... You know, it's like... Well, anyway, I'm going to get off on that tangent. So anyway, so yeah, so I picked up the car. Uh, he showed me everything. They, he's like, they fixed everything. I said, okay, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm going to go get it inspected. So I made the appointment uh, and took it in this morning and passed the... In well, so I, <laughs> I passed the inspection, but it was not without incident, let me tell you. So the guy, the German guy comes and he sees it and everything and blah, blah, blah. He puts it up on the rack and he only had it up there looking at it for like five minutes. And the last time when it failed, Jesus, they were at it for like a half an hour. So I'm like, okay, this must be a good sign. So he drives it off the rack right next to the, right in front of the door, the garage door. And then he looks at me and he does the finger thing like, come here. And I'm like, oh shit, this is not good. If he's telling me to come here, it means he wants to show me something that's not good. <sighs> like this, here we go. So I go over there. He shows me the friggin' headlights. So that was one of the things they had to do to my car. They had to replace the two headlights because they were they had issues with them, whatever. Well, apparent. So he looks at the. He shows me the lights, like on the door, the reflection of the headlights, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, you see the one headlight there is, is there, and the other one is up there." So like one headlight was pointing straight ahead, and the other one was like, kind of shining like two feet above it, so they they weren't mounted equally. And I'm I look at them and I'm like are you really going to fail me for that? And he kind of almost seemed embarrassed. And he was like, well, maybe I can just write it down. And so he did, he passed me, but he made a little note, you know, 
please pay attention to a headlight adjustment or something like that. But thank God he actually passed me. So then I went in, got the car registered, and thank God it's done as of this morning. My car is freaking registered. God, what a nightmare it's been. So that is the saga of the car, and the car is completely closed. Thank God. So, next, uh, let's talk about the PCS. So, PCS in military parlance stands for Permanent Change of Station. It's what they call in the military, so like I said earlier, it's like in the military, whenever you move, they call it a PCS move, okay? Now, PCS is mostly for, is a military thing. It's mostly for, you know, for soldiers, airmen, Marines, whatever. Anyone who's in the military, when you, when they send you, when the government sends you to a new duty station, it's called a PCS, permanent change of station. Um, but civilians, we also PCS, because we're, even though we're not active duty military, we work for the military as civilians. Um, um, so, yeah, we're kind of like military, except we're, you know, obviously we don't put on a uniform, we don't carry a gun, although some, some civilians probably do anyway um so like i don't know if you move within the u.s i don't know if that's really cons- i guess it is considered a pcs but uh particularly when you go overseas we get orders just like military does and we get military orders and it says you know from this duty station to this duty station and you need your order your orders are key you need your orders to do everything so when you pcs there's all these things so when you're overseas let me back up a little when you're overseas and you're PCSing somewhere, whether it's overseas to overseas or overseas back to CONUS, which is the United States, continental U.S. Uh, you get orders, and you got to do, you got to clear all these things. So you got to, you know, you, you guys are probably many of you listening. You've already, you you know all this stuff, but this is for the people who don't know anything about it. So you know, you've seen me, you've heard me talk about it when I PCS. It's like, well, I got to ship my car. I have to get my household goods picked up and shipped. I have to, you know, I got to do, I got to clear, you know, like finance, I got to do this, I got to do that. You got to clear all these things on base before they'll let you leave or whatever. You got to get your plane tickets, everything else. And you can't do any of this until you have your orders. Because everywhere you go, you're like, yeah, I'm clearing. They're like, okay, I need to see a copy of your orders. You give me a copy of your orders. They do, you know, they do their thing, whatever. And it really should be as easy as just, you give them your orders, they do whatever they got to do. But... In my case, it never is. PCS is just always a nightmare. It always is. Every single, I've never had a clean PCS ever, 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 ever. My worst PCS is probably when we PCS from Italy to Korea in 2017. That was probably the worst one, and maybe I'll do a future podcast about that. Everything that went wrong in that one is unbelievable. Um, this one so far has turned out to be just a nightmare as well. It's like every little thing I do is just a problem. So I've already told you to rant about the car. Um, <clears throat> every, it, it's just, it's just one thing after another and nothing is working out for me. Well, I, I take it back in the end, everything always works out. It always does. That's the funny part. Uh, but it's just always so difficult and it's all, and it's mostly just because there are people on base. It's always like you're going through it and you, it's so unorganized and people are so difficult and so just that you start thinking to yourself, I'm like, what, am I like the first person to ever PCS from this base or what? Because these people are just, it's like they don't know what they're doing. It's like this is the first time they've ever done it. So, um, so to give you a perfect, to give you an example, uh, I go to get, we got to get plane tickets, right? <clears throat> so plane tickets are usually like one of the easiest things you got to do. You have orders. It says you go. It says it's showing you going from you know losing station Wiesbaden, Germany, gaining station this unit Colorado Springs. 
So you go to the, we had, so there's a travel office on base called SATO, S-A-T-O. I don't remember what it stands for, but it's basically the, the government, you know, the government sanctioned travel office, whatever. <clears throat> and they have two sections. They have leisure travel, which is basically just your personal travel. Like, oh, I want to go on vacation to, you know, Timbuktu or whatever. I go down there to get plane tickets. And then there's official travel. And official travel would be like PCSs. Uh, or if you go TDY, which is temporary duty, like so if one, you know, I had to go to the States for work to some base there, and that's TDY, so I, that's where I go to the official travel, and that's where I get my plane tickets with my orders and stuff. So same with the PCS. You go to the PCS, you go to this SATO with your orders, say I'm PCSing, they look at it, okay, that, oh, you're going from here, you know, so there would be Frankfurt to Colorado Springs, right? And then they would just look up the tickets. And then you, so we have, so, uh, military and civilian, we have what's called a government travel credit card, a GTCC, and it's, we're, that's how they pay for everything now. So you basically, you get, it's like a Citibank uh, credit card, and you, you it's, a, it's called, a, it's called a, a government uh, credit card. So anytime I travel on official orders, like if I go TDY or PCS, you're supposed to use your government travel card to pay for everything, your plane tickets, your rental car, everything. And then you file, when you're done, you file your travel claim, and they reimburse, and they pay off the card. So um, it seems really easy, right? Yeah, so not when I'm involved again. So I go there, and I give her give her my orders, and it's this old German battle axe lady with every, every other word out of her mouth. is no, you cannot do this. No, you cannot do this. No, you cannot. You cannot do that. No, there's nothing in the regulation. Everything. Just so annoying. So, uh, I, you know, she, she's going to do it. Now, here's where it gets strange <clears throat> so for those of you who know me a while you remember that when we went overseas uh when we went when we came overseas back in 2017 from Scumpter, south carolina we so we came from Scumpter. so Scumpter or shaw air force base anyway in Scumpter is cons was considered for the purposes of, of the government my home of record because that's where i was living when i came overseas so the way it works is the government will pay me to go back to the back to CONUS, back to the states, <clears throat> but technically they will only pay for me to go back to where they brought me over from. So, in other words, Shaw Air Force Base in Scumpter. So the way it works is, it's a cost thing. Okay, so what they do is if so if you don't go back to your home of record, which in my case is Scumpter, I guess, even though I don't have a house there anymore. So let's say. I get, okay, well, Colorado Springs, that's where we're going, right? So what they do is they look up, okay, well, this is how much the plane tickets will cost from Frankfurt to, to uh, Columbia, South Carolina. Okay, this is how much the plane tickets are to Colorado Springs. And if the tickets to Colorado Springs are more, then technically I'm supposed to pay the difference of it. So she looks up the prices, and she, sure enough, everything to Colorado Springs is way more expensive than, than, uh, than Scumpter or Columbia. So she says, yeah, you, and she says, yeah, you are not authorized to, 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 to uh, spend this amount. And so you cannot use your government travel card. You must use your personal credit card to buy these tickets. And then you uh, must get the reimbursed from the government. But let me back up a little bit. Beforehand, when I first walk in and she sees my orders, the first thing she says to me is, oh, okay, so you will take the Patriot Express. And I said, I will not take the Patriot Express. I'm telling you right now that is not going to happen. So the Patriot Express for the uninitiated is is what we call a channel flight or a rotator. And what that basically is, it's like a contracted aircraft. It's a commercial one, I think, but it's not like a Delta bird that has like, you know, in-flight entertainment and any of that stuff, right? It's just a no-frills air aircraft. And it just goes, 
between BWI, which is Baltimore, Washington International in Baltimore, uh, and Ramstein, which is here in Germany. And it just kind of goes back and forth. It ca- only doesn't carry cargo, only people. And so it's supposed to be like if you're PCS into Europe or whatever, the first option is a Patriot Express because it's that's the government trying to save money, right? Okay, so the problem with this is the Patriot Express only flies on Tuesdays and Thursdays, number one. Well, I'm supposed to, civilians, we have to start, we have to go on the beginning of a pay period, which is a Sunday, so I'm supposed to fly Sunday, April 9th. So if I have to wait till Tuesday to fly, I'm going to miss all my in-processing appointments. And then when she looks up the commercial flight, and I still have to get from BWI to Colorado Springs, so I still got to buy commercial tickets for that. And then, oh, by the way, the commercial flights, the next commercial flight from Baltimore to Colorado Springs is on a Wednesday, which means we would have to get a hotel somewhere in Baltimore and then try to get back to the airport to fly to Colorado Springs on Wednesday. It's just idiotic. So I, I, and I, it normally, because it's so stupid, you can get an exception to policy memo signed by a colonel that will say, oh, he can't fly because blah, blah, blah. So I knew there was no way I was taking the Patriot Express. So right, I just put that out of hand immediately. I said, I am not taking the Patriot Express. Just get that out of your mind. So that's when she started looking for commercial flights. So, and then everything's more expensive. So I'm going, well, are you able to even tell me what the difference is of the price? Because if it's only like a hundred or a couple hundred bucks, I'll just screw it. I'll just pay it. Um, but then the other problem is, because with my luck, I'm thinking if I use my personal credit card, I don't know if the government will reimburse that because technically by regulation, we're supposed to use our government travel card for all official travel. It just gets better and better, doesn't it? Oh, it gets better than this. Trust me. So. She says, I don't know, I can only just give you the price and you must pay and then you can work with the government or with the finance office to try to get the reimbursement. I'm like, well, that's not happening because that's, that, no. The, in my personal experience, the finance office is going to screw you over every freaking time. So, uh, and then, so, I was as I described to you earlier with the SATO office, they have what, they have leisure travel and official travel. So, the official travel, they have something called the government rate. And it's almost like the government basically just kind of defrauding themselves. So you, you have a plane ticket that at a leisure rate might be like $500, right? But that same ticket at the government rate, if it's official travel, would be like 1500 or 2000 because the government is paying for it. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. Um, so just, I don't even know why she did this, but just on a whim, she looked up what the price, she's like, well, let me just, let me just to see what the, what the leisure rate is. So she looks up the, the leisure rate. And she says, oh, she says, on a, there's a leisure rate I can get you from Frankfurt to Amsterdam to Salt Lake City to Colorado Springs. And it's like 1,885 euros. And she's like, that is very far below, you know, the cost to your home of record. I said, all right, well, why don't we just do that then? And I'll, that way I can use my government credit card. She's like, no, no, no. This is a leisure fare. So you cannot use your government credit card. You must use your personal credit card for this and then get reimbursed from the government. And here we go again. So we went back and forth like this for like 45 minutes to an hour. And I finally I said, all right, look, let me let me go back to my office and talk to my HR lady and figure this, figure this out, and then I'll come back. So I go back. I talk to my HR, uh, our HR lady, Keisha. She, Keisha's the best. Best HR lady I've probably ever dealt with in my entire life. She always has the answer. She always does everything right away. She is absolutely fantastic. I love her to death. So. I call her and explain everything, and she's like, what? No, that's ridiculous. I'm like, yeah, welcome to my freaking nightmare here. So she says, all right, look, listen, do this. She's like, go ahead and buy that leisure rate one for your family uh, on your personal credit card. And she's like, when you submit all your travel claims and everything, they're going to come back here to this office for, for to get processed. So 
we will reimburse you for those plane tickets. Trust me, it's going to come to our office. I said, all right, I hope she's right. So I went back this I had him lock the rate in. Um, I, I went back this morning and I picked up the tickets. They, by that time, they went up to like 1,926, but it's still below the thing. It's, it's amazing to me. Less than 2,000 euros for, for five people to fly with two stops from Frankfurt all the way to Colorado Springs. Incredible. So anyway, we've got that locked in. So we got the flights locked in for April 9th. So that's taken care of. But, I, man, I'm going on blind faith that Keisha's not steering me wrong because she never has before. So hopefully I'm not going to have a problem getting reimbursed. Otherwise, I'm going to have to eat 2000 bucks. But whatever. So, so yeah, so that's just, you know, that's just a typical thing of, of you know, everything that I'm going through here. It's like, it's like it's, seriously, it's like the first time I've, it, I'm a first person that's ever PCS in this freaking place. Um, so, um, I think the last rant that I will, I'll, I will go in today cause I know you guys are probably tired of listening to me, but this is a really serious one and I'm, I'm hoping it's going to turn out okay. And that's, uh, problems with our landlord. So this, this is a really, this is what I was hoping to avoid and my nightmares might be coming true. So we move in when you go overseas, of course, you know, Every country is a little bit different, but Europe, for the most part, is kind of the same. Korea is much different and a thousand times better, light years better. Is one of the best things about being in Korea was the housing. Here in Europe, particularly in Germany, because the Germans are so you know stuffy and business-like and everything else. So the way it works is you can when you get let's say you come to Germany, let's use Germany as an, an example. So you come to Germany, you're looking for a house. You go to the housing office. They have a you know they have a bunch of play, you know, local houses that. Uh, off posts that are listed with them and so you can go onto their website and you can look at them all you can filter it by you know size location how many bedrooms blah 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 typical rental stuff um and then it behooves you to do that if you're an american because you do the contract the rental contract or the lease they call it a rental contract here uh through the base and it protects you because they have when you do it through the base they have what's called a military clause okay so normally in Germany, when you move out, the German landlords usually require a 90-day notice. A three, so you got to let them know three months in advance the date you're moving out. And if you move out, so let's say it's January, right? And you're leaving February 1st, and you tell them, you know, like January 1st, you call them and you tell them, say, yeah, I'm leaving February 1st. He, they'll say, well, you, you have to give us you know, 90 days notice. So if you, you, So you still have to pay for those you know, those three months, whether you're here or not. But the military, what the military clause does is it says it right in there that, um, you know, tenant can give 30 days notice under the following circumstances. And the first one, A, is move to a new duty station, okay? So you're covered. So that way, you know, because the way it works is, you know, you, you, get a, you get orders about anywhere from like a month to a month and a half out from when you leave. So you can't give a three-month notice. It's ridiculous. So... Anyway, it covers you. So we rented, uh, there was another American guy that had the place before us, a guy named Elvis, really nice guy. Um, it was him and his wife and little girl. And they were leaving in first week of December. So we moved, we moved in like the first of January. And when we moved in, it was like, you know, the landlords wanted to meet us. Now, let me state this about, let me state this about my landlords and his wife right now. They are honestly fantastic people. I mean, I'm a pretty good judge of, of character, but um they they have been fantastic and 
I've been hearing, when we first got here, I was reading and hearing all these freaking war stories and horror stories about all these people who were having trouble with the German landlords. You know, they, they're screwing people. They're keeping their security deposit, you know, for whatever reason. And, and if a German does that, it gets reported to the housing office, and then they get blacklisted. So the housing office won't allow Americans to rent from that person anymore. So I don't know why they're doing it, but all kinds of problems. There's even like a Facebook page that got set up for uh, free legal advice for American, you know, soldiers and civilians who are over here having problems with their landlords and stuff because it's just so rampant. So I was just gun shy. I'm like, man, I, I got to be careful when I rent because I don't want to get into one of these situations. So we... Before we were able to move in, the landlords obviously wanted to meet with us and, you know, check us out, make sure we're okay. So they did, and we hit it off right away. Uh, Andreas is the landlord. His, his wife is uh, Fleur. Uh, they're a young couple, I would say, probably maybe mid to late 30s. Uh, just guessing, maybe early 40s. Uh, but fantastic. Speak speak really, really good English. Fleur actually went to uh, high school in Albany, New York, and they are, they're both Lufthansa pilots. Uh, and not just Lufthansa pilots, they both used to fly the, the Airbus, the big A380. Um, and they, I know Fleur did, but I'm not sure about Andreas. They went to the uh, the flight school in Phoenix, Arizona. So, you know, both of them speak really, really good English. And then they have two young kids as well, right around Max's age. And, uh, you know, we hit it off. We got along really well. And we, we actually become really, really good friends with them. Like, they'll, they need to come over all the time to check on something or whatever. Usually both of them come or sometimes with the kids. And we visit for a while. We have coffee. Um... We go downtown to the Christmas market and hang out with them. They show us around. Um, Andreas has a hobby of he, he actually makes uh, uh, like Wurst, which is the German sausages, like bratwurst and stuff. And he he was inviting me and Virginia over us, over to show us how to do it. But it was you know during the time of COVID and we couldn't really do it. Um, but yeah, but long story short, we we got along with them very very well. They've been great people, and the whole time, and Elvis was telling me, you know, when he moved out, he got a security deposit no problem. So I'm thinking, okay, my mind's at ease. I got, you know, they're they're really really good people, uh, so no no problem. So I I I felt good. I'm like these these people are not people who are going to screw us. Well, fast forward um, to February 28th, last day of February. Well, actually, fast forward earlier than that back in i think it was early to late january yeah, it was late january maybe I, I got that's when i got notified that i that i got this job in colorado springs so andreas and fleur came over a day or two later to do something or whatever and i i let them know i said yeah I, I got a new job so it looks like they're like oh when will you leave and i said uh i don't know exactly until i get my orders and my start date but it'll probably be sometime around uh, april may at the latest and they said, okay, no problem, just keep us, you know, keep us updated, I will. So February 28th, I finally get my final offer with the, uh, the start date, the tentative start date, which is April 9th. So I call Andreas, and I tell him, yeah, I say, you know, he puts me on speaker, so him and Fleur are there. And I tell him, I said, you know, yeah, I, I, I just got my uh, official offer today, the start date. My start date is April 9th, so it looks like we'll be leaving probably first week of April, we'll be clearing the house and he's and him and Fleur say with a straight face, they say, "Oh no, well you know you are required to give us three months' notice." And you, you could have knocked me over with a feather. I'm like, "You got to be kidding me," because I I checked. So we did the we did the contract through the base, like like everyone to the housing office. And I know that they put a military clause in it. If you do it through a base, they always put the military clause in it. So I said, "Well, I." 
thought I had the military clause to where I only had to give you 30 days notice. And Andrea says, no, no, that is, uh, that is only for, for the soldier. When the, the general tells them, or the general orders them, you must leave the country right now. Then it is not for civilians. It is only for the military. And I'm like, mm, I, I know that that's not true. I've been overseas, cripes, almost what, 22, 23 years in, in three different countries. I know that that's not true. But I'm like, okay, I don't want to piss them off. I'm not going to get in an argument with them, whatever. I want to check the contract and call the housing office. <clears throat> so now I'm all worried. But, of course, the other way that the other thing is they do is, so they have the three months. But what they'll do is, this is how the Germans work, if you don't have the clause anyway, um, if you can find someone else to move into the house right after you move out, then you're not on top of that money anymore. So so that's what they kept pushing me to. That's just like Elvis did. Elvis found us. They kept telling us, they're like, yeah, if you get someone else to find someone else to move in, no problem. You can leave, no problem, anytime. So I'm like, okay, well, I put, I had put it on the on the Facebook, you know, Riesbon Reynolds page, the place, and I got like, you know, Jesus, like six, seven people right away were like, oh, we, we'd like to come look at the place. We'd like to come look at the place. So I told him, I said, okay, well, it shouldn't be a problem. I got a lot of people who are interested, so I'm sure we'll, we'll find someone. Well, it kind of all went downhill from there. Cause the, so this place, you know, those of you who have seen pictures of it, whatever, this is an expensive place. I mean, I'm almost, I mean, I'm like tapped down. I'm like the high end of the LQA. And this is the really high end, the high rent area. They call it, my landlord told me that this area, they call this the Beverly Hills of Wiesbaden because there's like million dollar mansions all around us and stuff. Um and we've enjoyed living here, and it has been expensive. But because I have three kids, I get like an extra 20% of the housing allowance, more than, you know, someone of the same grade or whatever who doesn't have three kids. And the other thing is a landlord doesn't want dogs. He doesn't want pets. So that's a showstopper for a lot of Americans because it seems like every friggin' American that PCSs over here has a dog. And sure enough, like at least half the people that message me are like, oh, wait, there's, you know, three, there's three of us. And we have a small dog. Oh, there's us and two kids, and we have a small dog. Everybody's got a friggin' small dog. So, like, so I had to. So I trying to tell people, okay, well, this is how much the rent is. You better check to make sure your LQA covers it because it's really expensive. And almost everybody right away it was either it was either too expensive or because he didn't allow pets. And so next thing you know, um, straight out, I got nobody that wants to come see it anymore. So we have actually showed it only showed it to one couple, and I think well, they never got back to us. I'm guessing they realized it was probably a little out of their budget. So now I'm like, man, I'm stuck. I, I don't know what to do. So I had, I technically gave him the 30 days. Um, so I, I told him, I said, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to pay through April because we're going to be here part of April. Um, and, and here's the other part that I forgot to mention. My security deposit, 7,000 euros. It's like almost, that's about eight, almost $8,000 American. And this is this is this is what happens you know this is exactly what i was afraid of i was like if i can't find someone to move in may 1st after we move out and i and i refuse to pay that rent for that month he'll just keep my security deposit and i'm not going to get it back that's what the german landlords do so either way i'm going to freaking get screwed <clears throat> so this is what i'm dealing with and it's causing a lot of stress because i'm like this is I, I hate this and i hate the fact that they're doing this because we've gotten so along with them so well I can't believe that they're doing this. So I had to go into the housing office, and I had kind of told her, told the housing lady, they're all German, German nationals that work in there. I kind of explained the situation to her, and she's like, she pulls out my contract, and sure enough, it says it right in there under the termination part. It says it right in there in German, and then it has the English translation. It's, you know, like I said, 
tenant can give 30 days notice in the following circumstances. And the first one is move to a new duty station. So I'm like, it's a legally binding contract and he signed it. So if, how can he, if he signed it, how can he say that it's not, you know? So she asked, she said, well, if you want, I can call him and try to explain it to him. I said, yeah, I wish you would, please. So uh, it was yesterday she she called him. She actually called him and then speaks, well, you know, they're speaking in German, which I don't speak, so blah, 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 blah. And they spoke for a long, long time, which I'm thinking is probably a bad sign. So she finally finishes with him. And I was like, how did it go? And she's kind of like, uh, we must wait and see. So she was, she, she told me that, she explained everything to him, you know, that, hey, he's only required to give you, he's only required to give you 30 days notice. He did. He's technically only obligated to pay until the day that he leaves, which is going to be, we're going to clear around April 5th. But Andreas was like, well, he already told me he would pay the whole month of April and I'm a man of my word, so I'm going to. Uh, I've already got the money set aside for it. Um, and also I'm doing it in good faith, hoping that if I pay for April, you know, the rest of April, uh, that he'll at least return my security deposit, you know, the $8,000. Um, but he, he said something interesting as well to her. He, she said he told her that he always has his important papers and documents and stuff like that checked by his lawyer first, which makes me think, well, his maybe his lawyer is telling him that, you know, that he, that, you know, whatever. So I'm guessing as soon as she hung up on them, the first thing he did is called the lawyer. But then he, you know, she was explaining to him, he has orders, you know, saying you must leave on this day. So now he wants to see a copy of my orders. So I'm guessing he probably is going to take my orders to the, to the lawyer and try to find a loophole or something. And I don't like this. So now we have, we have one couple that emailed me today that wants to see the place this weekend. I, I told them how much it costs. I told them all the bad stuff about it to make sure if they weren't going to be scared and they still want to see it. So maybe they'll take it. Um, in addition, uh, Andreas, uh, is also bringing somebody over, a guy over next week, uh, to look at the place who might be interested as well. So if we can find someone before we leave to take the place to move into May 1st, then off, we're off the hook, no problem. And I'm, I'm guessing there's, I mean, unless there's damage to the house, which I don't think there is, I should get most of all of my security deposit back, but it's a really, really uncomfortable time right now, uh, going through this because I don't know what's going to happen with it. And it just, it just it's really souring my, my experience in Germany because I, I, I just can't believe the landlord would do this. I, I thought it was, you know, cut and dry and black and white, black and white in the contract that it says this. And, you know, like I said, we become friends with them. So it's, I just don't like, ah, but that's the German way, man. That's the, just the way the Germans are. They're all nice and friendly and friendly, but once it comes to business and money, boom, everything changes and they become fucking shocks, you know? So anyway, that's one of the things we're dealing with, and I, I hope it's going to turn out okay. Uh, you know, future podcasts, I'll keep it updated. We'll see what happens. But um, So anyway, that's Rick's rants for this time. I guess it wasn't much of a rant as much of it was just some complaining, which, well, I guess when you come right down to it, that's what a rant is. But um, anyway, I we're going to see what happens. The car is good now, uh, so I hopefully should get another 50,000 miles out of it. Uh, I've got my plane tickets locked in. We've got the, the hotel over here locked in for the last 10 days or so before we leave. Uh, so things are happening. I've got the appointment to ship my car. So I think we're in a good place now, but I, you know, I, I still have some clearing to do and I just, I, I can't wait to see what else is going to go wrong. Cause you know, something will when I'm around involved. So, uh, hope you enjoyed this, uh, this episode and hopefully, uh, my man Chewy from work will, uh, 
will finally give me some time up here, and, and we'll and we'll get that podcast recorded. And I know everybody's going to enjoy that one. I'm really looking forward to it. So hopefully he won't keep ducking me, and I'll get him on before I leave. So uh, anyway, so for this episode, uh, this is Rick from Rick's Mix checking out. Hope you're all well. Ciao.